In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, when people say you got to network to be successful in life, right? Successful in your career, people really don't know what that means. Like when they do network, they usually do it in a way that's sort of not effective, where they just take business cards and just hand them out to anyone and any everyone who will take one. They'll go to these networking events and just hand out their business card and just talk about themselves and say, "Here's my idea." let's network and let's do lunch. And it, it never really goes anywhere. And it seems a lot of people, because they had such bad experiences with networking, they just give up on it because they think it's a waste of time. Well, our guest today has spent his career mastering, studying how to be a better networker. His name is John Corcoran. He is an attorney, but he also owns a website called Smart Business Revolution, where he writes content, has a podcast about how to be an effective networker so you have more success not only in your career, but also in your personal life. John is also a regular contributor on the art of manliness. You've probably seen some of his articles on our site about networking and you know, social skills and things like that. Uh, they always do really well on the site. So today we're going to talk about how to be an effective networker and how to do it in a way that it's, it's not annoying, it doesn't seem sleazy, it's comfortable for all those who are involved, and how to do it in a way that it actually make a difference in your life and the life of the other person. We're going to talk about how you can systemize your networking so you can keep track of all your contacts. We'll discuss why even if you have a quote-unquote blue-collar job, you should also be networking because you often associate networking with sort of office, white-collar jobs. And we'll also discuss why college-age men who are still in college, still in school, should start networking now so they can have more opportunities presented to them when they get out into the workforce. So just uh, a podcast that's just jam-packed with actionable information. I think you're really going to enjoy this, so let's get on with the show. John Corcoran, welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Brett. Hey, well, it's a pleasure. Uh, you've been a contributor for The Art of Manliness for a while now, so we've always enjoyed your content there, and it's nice to get you on the podcast to actually talk about this stuff. Yeah, I've listened for a long time, so I'm happy to be here. So uh, before we get into talking about your expertise, which is networking, you kind of have a, a really interesting uh, background, because uh, right now you're an attorney, and you also run your website, Smart Business Revolution. But before that, you worked um, in the Clinton administration and you were like the the office of letters and management, right? Like, you, can <laughs> letters you kinda, and messages, yeah, yeah, yeah. Letter, letters and messages. Can you uh, describe what that job was, and how old, how old were you when you got that job, and how did you land a job? And uh, I was I was twelve years old actually. When no, I was uh, twenty three, <laughs> and yeah, I was a writer in presidential letters and messages. I kind of describe it as 
I was like a second tier speechwriter, or you know, if like one of the speechwriters pulled a hamstring, then we'd have to step in. Basically, we we wrote like everything that the speechwriters didn't want to write, like letters, messages, video scripts, uh, proclamations, which are kind of his, of a historic importance and paid people pay less attention to them now. Um, you know, letters to VIPs, that kind of thing. Um, and I had previously been in the speechwriting office uh, during college, actually. During college, I did an internship in the White House speechwriting office in the fall of 97, which was right before the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal hit. And I went back, graduated from college, kept in touch with people, and I can get into the whole story of how I ended up getting a job there, but ended up coming back and getting a job when I was 23. So was it networking that landed you that job? Better believe it, yeah. So um, it was basically keeping in touch with um, you know, the other speechwriters who were there, other people who worked at the White House, keeping in touch with people in Washington, D.C. What happened was I'd graduated from college. I knew I'd like to get a job back there at the White House, but not everyone who interns is able to get a job there. They're, they take, you know, hundreds and hundreds of interns each each year, and there are not a lot of people who, who get those coveted jobs at the White House. So, so I was on the lookout for it. But, you know, you can't just, like, pester people regularly, like, send them emails or, or call them and say, so is their job, is their job? So, you know, I just tried to be of use to the speechwriters. I would clip out things and send things to them, uh, you know, speeches that I saw that I thought were helpful or quotes or articles, um, you know, just keeping in touch with people and trying to be uh, of use to them. And then what happened was, it's kind of a funny story, I heard from one of the speechwriters that there was this job opening for a writer. And I'd been an English major in college and I'd been a writer my entire life. So I wanted to be a writer. So I was very excited about it. And so I knew I might be getting a call one of these days from um, the, the person who was hiring for it. And so one day I do get this call out of the blue from the woman who eventually ended up hiring me. And she calls me up and says, yeah, you know, just wanted to see if I get a resume and a writing sample and, and uh, find some more information about you. And I said, sure, that's great. I'll send you my resume. And actually, if you want to see a writing sample, you can open up today's New York Times. I have a letter to the editor in today's op-ed page of the New York Times. It was a bit of a coincidence. But I knew that they might be calling around them and then, and I'd sent that letter to the editor a couple of days earlier. It just happened to hit on the very same day that I got that phone call. And the reason I tell that story is because if you have an opportunity that's coming along, then you can position yourself. You can do things in order to uh, create opportunities for yourself so that you you know, look look the best that you can. You put your fit, best foot forward, so to speak. So uh, after that, I ended up interviewing for the job, doing a writing test, all that kind of stuff, and uh, ended up getting into the job. Okay, so you started, you kind of mastered, or started mastering networking at a pretty young age. Um, now you're an attorney, and, but you also have your website, uh, Smart Business, or yeah, Smart Business Revolution. Yeah. And uh, you, where you talk about networking and why did you decide like to devote an entire blog to networking and teaching yeah, people about it? I'd love to say that there's like this master plan behind it, but it was more of an evolution. So what happened was I've always written for the web. I've always enjoyed writing. And so I started blogging years and years ago and it, it kind of evolved. And what happened was I would write related to my legal practice because I'm a lawyer. I'm still a practicing lawyer. And my clients are mostly entrepreneurs and small business owners. And I would write for that audience. And eventually I realized that writing about legal topics was too disorganized. People would come and go. There was no way of creating a sense of community or anything like that. So I pivoted. I rebranded. I, I, I changed it. And I, and I started writing more aimed towards entrepreneurs. But I also found that at that point it was too broad 
also. I was talking about a lot of different topics that were of interest to entrepreneurs, but not narrowly focused enough. And at the same time, actually, Antonio Centino was one of the big influencers uh, who also writes for Art of Manliest. Um, he kept on saying to me, you're really good at using relationships and knowing how to develop relationships with people. You should do more on that. You should tell people more about that. And another, another of other, other friends had done the same thing. They said, you know, they constantly asking me questions about, you know, networking, building relationships, that sort of thing. And so finally, I, you know, it's like one of those things, you got to listen to what other people say. And sometimes I think we're drawn to the thing that we struggle with more rather than the thing that we're better at. And so eventually I pivoted and I started focusing more on, as I call it, relationship building. And, um, and that's when things really kind of started to um, pick up for me. Okay. So let's talk about that. Like you're, you're calling it relationship building. Uh, most people would call it networking. And yeah, I think most people, when they hear the word networking, they're like, that sounds, I just, they, they just put up the, they, that, that sucks. That's so lame. <laughs> yeah. Like they, images of like, you know, networking events and like hotel lobbies where they're yep. handing out you near know, their business card and like shaking hands and giving their elevator pitches. That's what comes yep. to mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I mean, what are the biggest myths about networking and what would you tell someone who's like, yeah, that's stupid. I'm not going to network or relationship build. doesn't matter what you, if you rebranded relationship building, I'm not going to do that. What would you tell them to you know, convince them that you need to start doing this? Yeah. So, um, I think it does have a negative connotation. I think ex exactly because there's so many people that do it wrong. There's so many people that turn it into a sales pitch immediately, you know, and we've all been in that situation where we're at some event and we meet some person, and they're immediately trying to sell us on something. And that's not the way to do it anywhere in any circumstances. In, in any circumstances, when you meet someone, you got to take some time to get to know them. I mean, it takes a while for these things to unfold, you know, whether we're talking about building a relationship through someone through the media or online or offline or in person or whatever, it takes a while. And so the people who do networking bad, and the reason that networking has a bad connotation is because of people who try and force it, try and, and make it happen too quickly. I advocate a slower approach. I mean, I could even call it slow networking or something like that. Maybe that's a word I need to use is because honestly, you need to take some time to build a relationship with someone. And how do you do that? You do that by being of use to them, being a friend, being useful, providing value to them. And we can get into what that means exactly. But as far as what networking myths are, are what common networking myths are out there, well, one I think is a big myth is that you don't need to do it. The fact is we're all building relationships, we're adding people in, into our lives, and we're dropping people into our lives over the course of our lives. So over the next 12 months, whether you like it or not, you will add some people into your network and you'll drop some people into your network. It just happens organically. What I advocate is taking a more proactive approach, a more deliberate and intentional approach, and actually thinking in advance, much like you would choose a major in college, thinking in advance about the types of people that you want to surround yourself with, the types of people that you want to develop a relationship with rather than just letting it happen completely organically, which is what a lot of people do. I'm not talking about friendship, of course. When it comes to friends, it's fine to let things evolve organically. But when it comes to business, when it comes to your career, I think you should be more intentional about it. The other common networking myth that I think we hear really frequently is that either you're born good at it or you're not born good at it, and so you don't do it. I actually think that you can get better at it. And some some introverts are very good at, quote-unquote, networking, very good at, at building relationships. 
Um, you know, and, and it's because they put effort into it. And, and really building a network is not about being the most outspoken, most effusive, most uh, social animal, social butterfly at a networking event. It's really about building relationships with people in that initial meeting and then following up and continuing to follow up with that person and keeping them in your life. And, I'll, you know, like one other example I give is oftentimes people, they say, I don't like going out to networking events and that's fine. But this is what people end up doing. They go because people have to go because you have to build relationships. You can't just live like a hermit in, in, in your home at all times. So they go to events, but they don't follow up with people. They just let it drop. And what that does is like dooming yourself to the hamster wheel of networking for the rest of your life because you don't take relationships, the relationships that you do develop at events, and you don't do anything with them, you end up having to go back again and again and again to all these different events. So even though you don't like it, you're, you're dooming yourself to continue to do it. So I think being intentional on the front end, deciding in advance who you want to develop relationships with, and then on the back end, after you've met people, continuing to be in touch with them and continuing to remain in, in touch with them with the people who are really of value to your career or to your business are the two real big important points there. Okay. I thought it was a really interesting point. You said you don't have to be an extrovert to network well, because I think a lot of people stay away from networking because they're like, oh, it just, it frightens them. Like I got to go and like talk to these strangers and I have a minute, right? To make that first impression. It's going to be like, it's, if I don't get the deal there, if I don't get the job interview offer there, then it's, it's all, it's all done for. Right. So just like there's so much pressure, like they're already sort of like, you know, have social anxiety. And then just the, 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 spep, the scepter of having to like make something happen in that this one moment just like makes it even more, you know, anxiety um, producing uh, thing even more. Yeah, no, I totally get that. People put too much pressure on themselves. And the reality is, is that it's a lot longer process than that. Yeah, I don't think you need to worry about getting everything you know, smushed into the initial meeting, you can actually, it, that can take a little bit of the pressure off. In fact, one of the tools that I advocate that people use is called a conversations list. And a conversations list is basically just taking the time to, to define in advance the 50 plus people who you'd like to develop a relationship and deepen a relationship with over the course of the next 12 months. And there's a couple of things I do intentionally there. I call it a conversations list because I want you to think about it as an ongoing conversation with you're going to have which you're going to have with these 50 people over the course of the next 12 months. The reason I say 12 months is because that way you don't worry about trying to get everything accomplished in the first meeting or the first couple weeks. You realize you can take your time with that. And if you do that over time, over the course of a couple of years, you can really radically revamp the circle of people that you have around you, which is something that I've just done naturally throughout my career. And looking back on my career now, and I realized that I did it over and over again. I did it in politics. I actually worked in the entertainment industry. I worked, I was an early employee for DreamWorks. Um, so I worked for both Bill Clinton and Steven Spielberg at different times in my career. Um, after that, I went and worked in Silicon Valley for a couple of years. And now, of course, I'm an attorney and I depend on relationships in order to get clients. So I've actually done it over and over again with these different types of circles. But if you, let's say you're listening to this and you're not happy in the job that you have right now or not happy in the career that you have right now or you want to start a business or something like that, you can evolve your circle of connections around you 
by being deliberate and intentional, using a tool like the conversations list and deciding who are the people that you want to develop relationships with and then going out and doing it proactively. So uh, you decide you want to you know, be proactive and network and uh, do all that stuff. But how do you do it in a way that's not annoying, right? <laughs> and that it just doesn't, you know, just doesn't, because like, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I get approached all the time with people who want something with like, they want to work with the art of manliness and they want to network, but like they, there's always, it's, it's a lot of times it's just very annoying. Like they just, it's yeah. just ask, ask, ask. And it's like, I only, you know, I, I only have so much time and energy, so I can't give myself all, you know, to these people. So like, how do you do it in a way where it's just like, it's useful? Like, as you say. Yeah. Well, um, the, the first thing I'd recommend is checking out the book, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, which a lot of people have heard of but a lot of people haven't read. So I'd recommend reading that book. The book is almost 100 years old, and yet the reason it sold tens of millions of copies is because the advice in it is timeless. And the advice is that if you're meeting someone, if you're developing a relationship with someone, to be attuned to what they're interested in and to be inquisitive and to learn about that person. So that's the first thing that I think that you should do and and, and um uh, should be doing when you're should do and should do that makes a lot of sense uh, you should be doing when you're developing a relationship with someone you should be learning what is going on in their life learning about them learning what their interests are learning what's going on with their family if they want to share that learning what they what their goals are and only once you learn those things can you not be annoying I mean the people who are annoying are the people who are just interested in themselves right you yeah. know and th- I mean in in Dale Carnegie's book there's this classic, there's a number of classic examples, but there's an example of a guy who goes to a dinner party and he ends up having this conversation with, I think it was a biologist or marine biologist or something like that. And he has this great conversation and, and the person was asking questions of the biologist all night, like question after question, because he'd never met a biologist before and he was really interested in the topic. And he was, he was using the Dale Carnegie strategies, which is to ask questions of people. And then at the end of the night, the biologist goes to the host and says, you know, I had this great conversation with this guy. He was a great conversationalist. And what's so funny about that is that the, the guy who was asking questions wasn't really making conversation. He was actually just asking questions and taking interest in that person. And most people really enjoy talking about themselves and they really enjoy talking about things that are of interest to them. So the lesson in that is you don't need to be the world's greatest conversationalist. You just need to take an interest in that person and then to pick up on details about them, what's going on in their life, and then find ways in which you can add value to that person's life. You know, And so what I try and do when I meet someone new is just try and find out what's going on with them, what's going on with their business, what's going on with their life. Do they have a, a son or daughter who's about to go off to college? Maybe I can give them some advice on colleges that they're considering. Do they have a favorite type of food? Maybe there's a restaurant that they haven't heard of nearby that I can recommend to them. Maybe they're going on vacation sometime next month to some place that I've been to before. Like, Brett, you and I have both been to Vermont on vacation. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to Vermont. We can give some recommendation to somewhere they can go to in Vermont. You know, something like that. I think that is the way that you ensure that you're not annoying. Okay. And but even when you, you start, so you start, the whole goal is to be provide value, be useful in any way, Right. But you, I guess there's a point like you shouldn't like provide value then like, Hey, follow up with, can you help me out with this? Like sort of the give and take. I mean, should you just be more like 
give stuff and then wait? Like, how do you know when you call in that favor? I mean, it sounds very like Godfather mafioso, but like, how do you know when you're, it's a good time to, you know, capitalize on this relationship that you're developing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it varies with each person and with each relationship. Um, you know, if you develop a tighter uh, bond with that person, then they're probably more likely quicker to uh, come to you for whatever service it is you provide or think of you. I think that you need to weave into the conversation um, things that that are helpful, but that are also remind the person of what it is you do. So if you're a service provider like myself, then one thing you can do is just provide helpful advice. So let, let's say that you're a photographer listening to this and you want to get photography clients. Well, you could just weave in advice and tips. Like maybe you're talking to someone who, who you've met and they just, you know, they mentioned that they just had uh, pictures taken, formal portraits or something. Maybe you can give a little tip. Like you can say, oh, by the way, you know, um, it's fall right now. So the colors are, uh, you know, browns and oranges and greens. So, a you know, before you have your photo session, you should try and wear um, a, a, a sweater that matches that palette if you do an outside uh, photo shoot. You know, that's one way that you could be of use to that person. And it's not saying, like, hire me to be your photographer. It's actually the opposite. It's actually just being useful to them. And if you prove that worth, if you prove that you're so useful, then that they're going to immediately think of you. Either they're going to think, wow, we should really hire this person. They gave me this great piece of advice, which is a really good tip. Or if they have a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, something like that, some friend who needs to hire a photographer, even if they don't hire you, they might refer you out to that person. That sounds an awfully like, uh, like what's it, from Miracle on 34th Street, where like Macy's was like uh -huh. recommending customers go to Gimbal's if there's like a cheaper price or something like that. Do you remember that scene? And I've like, heard people reference that before, and I haven't seen that movie in so long, So, but I should check it out. Yeah, you should check it out. I think it's very similar. So like, yeah, the, the Santa Claus at Macy's starts telling... Uh, parents like where they can go buy presents that weren't at Macy's and like mm. at first like the the managers were like oh why are you doing that but all the customers loved it they're like oh you know thank you so much for doing that and I'm going to keep coming back to Macy's because you guys are so useful so. <laughs> yeah I mean that's kind of the Nordstrom's approach Nordstrom's is famous for providing amazing customer service and to the point where they will provide all kinds of recommendations or Zappos a more modern contemporary reference Zappos is famous for if they don't have the shoes their customer service people are trained to get on the web and start helping to find people uh, where the shoes can be bought um, but I think there's truth to that I think that you know that establishes credibility that establishes trust when you do something like that, it shows that you have confidence in your own skills, that you're not worried about the competition. In fact, for me as an attorney, I found that the clients that are most likely to become really attached to me are the ones that I've tried to talk out of hiring me in the first place. You know, I've had you know conversations where I explain why they shouldn't hire me for whatever reason, maybe because I don't think they should pursue a certain path, or maybe I think there's another attorney can help them with something. And then it, it's inevitably they turn around and they're like, oh, we really want to hire you. you know, it's like, yeah, I guess you weren't listening or else like you'd rather hire me. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So I guess the key to networking or as you call it, relationship building is first uh, pay attention to the needs of others. Right. Be attuned to that. Yes. Um, and then second, just find small ways to add value uh, in any way you can. And even if that means referring them to someone else or 
competition or even they don't use your service immediately, be valuable. Um, but I, here's the question I have. How do you make time for that, right? Because like you only have so much time in the day. You only have so much energy. Um, and if you're spending all that time helping others who, you know, you might not be able, you know, this is, you're thinking about your business, right? You're making an investment in your business and they might not, uh, you know, might not have any return on investment at all or, or for a long time. I mean, how do you manage that? How do you decide, okay, I'm going to spend my time helping this person as opposed to not helping that person? Yeah. And this is a common objection that I hear from people, um, that are worried about the amount of time that it takes. You know, I don't advocate taking a ton of time, spending hours and hours of your day um, devoting to this. Really, it, it can be it can be very um, not time consuming. One of the problems is is and the reason I advocate using conversations list strategy is that people are developing relationships with the wrong people. They're, sometimes it's because they're pursuing someone who they see as successful and they're trying to build a relationship with that person when there's no conceivable value to them or they're not aligned with their business goal or they're not aligned with their career goals. So they're just pursuing the wrong person. So I think taking the time to define who are the people that you want to build relationships with will help to prevent that from happening. And then you'll focus on building the relationships with the people who really matter to your goals. But I think you need to take the long game. You need to decide that I'm going to devote a little bit of time throughout my week to doing these sorts of relationship building activities, you know, going to coffee with someone or going to lunch with someone or connecting with them, interviewing. I mean, what we're doing right now is a great tool for building relationships, interviewing someone, whether it's for a podcast or whether it's for an article that you write in the newspaper. Um, it's a lot better than asking someone for an informational interview, which is actually asking them for a favor. Mm -hmm. Doing an interview where you're going to publish it to a podcast, to an article, to a blog or whatever, is actually not asking them to do a favor. You're actually doing you're actually doing something nice for them because you're giving them a bit of pub publicity. But there are also tools that you can use. And one that I advocate is called a CRM program. It stands for Customer Relationship Management. And typically, historically, salespeople use them because they were for building relationships with people. Well, as we, our economy has become more entrepreneur-focused and jobs have become more temporary, people tend to jump from job to job from company to company now, whereas people used to stick with the same job, uh, it's more important that you put effort into building these relationships if you want to be serious about your career. So you can use a CRM program, which are a relatively, relatively modest investment. You know, they can be anywhere from, you know, zero to a hundred dollars a month. You think of like Salesforce, uh, Zoho, Podio. There's a bunch of new ones out there. Insightly. I use one called Contactually, which I'm a big fan of. And, and, like they have a, a suite of, of basically different tools that are involved, but I'll just mention one of them is like introductions. I love doing introductions to people because anyone who's listening to this right now, I guarantee you there are two people in your network who would benefit from knowing each other and you are the one who can do it. And if you introduce two people and they get along, they hit it off, they do business together or whatever, they will always remember it. And then that is a great way for you to get introduced to other people as well. So Contactually and probably every CRM out there has a tool for doing introductions where you can, in a couple of clicks, like very quickly make an introduction. It's some of the best use of your time, period. Because if you make an introduction, they hit it off, just people are just tremendously grateful. So 
that's one tool that you can use that that would be helpful. There's another one called intros.to, which is another website, which is actually free. It's, I think it's an open source platform for tracking introductions is another one you can use. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Well, let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money in things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. 
Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Does, uh, speaking of, you know, like systems you can use, I mean, you, you, I guess you, to be really effective with this, you need to systemize and organize your networking. Um, besides, you know, organizing your introductions, I mean, what else should you be keeping track of, uh, with your relationship building? Um, what else should be keeping? Well, one big one is, and this really is dependent on, um, how, what it is you do. So if you are a, this works best probably for a service provider, um, someone who's providing a service and is trying to get clients. But I have a, a tool that I talk about. It's in a free ebook on my site um, called the, the ebook isn't, but the, the tool is called the results and revenue worksheet. And basically it's, it's basically tracking all of the incoming uh, business that comes into you and where it came from. And this is a tool that over time you can see patterns emerge. So let's say we'll use the photographer example again, or let's say you're a plumber or something like that. And you get phone calls throughout the year from different people, new clients. Well, every time a new client comes in, you just write down the name of the person who came in and what their source was. It could be from a person who referred them. It could be from an organization that you belong to, like a BNI or something like that, or a chamber of commerce, or it could be an event that you attended, like a conference or some kind of quarterly event or something like that, or it could be from your kid's preschool, whatever. You write it down. Over time, you'll be able to see patterns emerge. You'll be able to see that, oh, hey, look, this one person referred me three times back in March and they haven't referred me since then. Well, what has happened in the interim? Oh, well, it turns out I haven't communicated with that person in the last six months. So what that tells you is you need to really reach out to that person again and make sure that you keep a strong connection with that person. This isn't rocket science, but if you implement a, a strategy like that, it will help you to be efficient and to be smart about the relationships that are really important to your business, your career. Okay. Let's go back to introductions because this is something you and I have talked about in emails back and forth before. Like what's the etiquette of introduction making? Because I have lots of people who make introductions to me uh, all the time. I know they're trying to be useful, but oftentimes what happens is that the person that um, they're introduced me to, like there's just, I don't see any value. Like I just, there's nothing there. Like I'm like, this is not, this isn't a good fit. And so it's always awkward. It's like, uh, nice to meet you, but no thanks. Cause I, I, mean, I don't want to seem like I'm a jerk. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, what is, I mean, should you ask before like you say, can I introduce you to someone or should you just make the introduction? Yeah. It's funny. Cause you and I have talked about this and, and my opinion on it has evolved a little bit. Initially I did feel like, you know, just go out there and make the introductions and if, you know, if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. But then after talking to you about it, talking to some other people about it, and, and also, honestly, I get more introductions now than I did a couple of months ago than I did a year ago. And so I've been on the, on the other end of those as well, where you get an introduction and you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure what, you know, why this benefits. You know, that's kind of on the other person. It's the person who's doing the introduction. Um, they're the one who's 
you know, a little not attuned to what it is you need. And there's a couple of things you could do. You could say, you could email back or, or just say to the other person who's done the introduction to you, this is kind of what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking for, you know, or this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm focused on so that they don't make the same mistake again later. You can do it in a polite way. Sure. Um, uh, or, you know, another thing you can do is if you get an, in, if you get an introduction to someone where you can't really see what the benefit is, or what the value is to you, you can just say, Great to meet you. And how can I how can I help? Is, or if there's any way I can help, just let me know. And it might be something tiny. You know, even if you can't see any benefit from that person whatsoever, at least initially, just based on their vocation or whatever it is they do, maybe they have some tiny little question. Maybe they have some tiny little request that takes very little amount of your time. And actually, there's a great um, strategy is called the five minute favor. There's a guy named Adam Rifkin who was named by fortune magazine as their, uh, best networker of 2011, I think. Um, and he does what he calls a five minute favor. Which basically if anyone asks him for a favor, he'll, he'll do it as long as it takes less than five minutes. And so sometimes I'm not saying you have to commit five minutes, but it could be 30 seconds. I mean, like sometimes people will, just, it turns out they just have some like tiny little question. And with you, Brett, I mean, it, you're you have the advantage of you've been putting out advice for five six years now and and a lot of your advice is out there so um someone might ask you a question and you probably answered it in 2000 words or more um (laughs) you know at some point in the last five years and so you can you can think off the top of your head you know i i know exactly where the answer is this and you could send an article to that person that doesn't take much of your time but you never know what will come from that result you know, that person might be so grateful from that personal touch, you know, from getting that from you, that then they go and refer their next 20 friends to read Art of Manliness every month. You know, so uh, that's how I would probably uh, approach it. But I do agree with you that I think that um, you have to perceive on the other, first, you have to be attuned to what the other people need. And anytime you make an induction, it needs to be mutual. It needs to be there's benefit to both sides. That's what I always try and do. I don't know if it always works out, but that's what I always try to do. And then the other thing is I also try and judge how busy the other people are. And the busier the person, the more likely I'm going to send an email in advance that says, hey, I'd like to introduce you to so-and-so. Here's why I think it could be a benefit to you. Would you like me to make that introduction? If not, no harm, no foul. And I've done that with you. I've done that with lots of other people before. And it takes a little bit more of your effort. But even if you don't actually make the introduction, the person that you've offered to make the introduction to is grateful that you offered to make the introduction. Even if they respond and say, that's okay. I don't think I need the introduction. Um, I think that they're, they're still grateful that you, that you uh, put out the gesture that you wanted to make the introduction. Okay. Here's an, another question that um, I have. So, you, you, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're trying to build relationships, add value. Um, I mean, how do you deal with like rejection, right? Like someone says, no, thank you. I don't want your help. Uh, cause I'm sure that happens a lot. Right. Um, so what, and for some people or for some guys that could be like sort of devastating, um, because for whatever reason, right. Uh, so yeah. how, what's your advice on handling rejection in the networking process? Yeah. Um, that's tough. Um, you know, it, it's part of the process. I mean, you have to recognize that you're going to experience some 
rejection and you're going to have to be a bit resilient. There could be a number of reasons why you're experiencing rejection or why someone doesn't, oftentimes the, the rejection doesn't come in the form of, no, sorry, I'm not interested in meeting you. It might come in the form of them not responding to your email. Um, you know, you, you send an email and you don't receive a response, which there could be a lot of different reasons for that. It could be the person just is really busy. It could be their business is busy. It could be they have some personal thing going on in their life. You never know what's going on in someone's life. So the first thing I would say is don't take it personally. You know, a lot of people receive a lot of email or they just are very busy or the timing isn't right. I mean, the oftentimes it's just the timing's not right for you at that time or with that person. You can't expect every connection to be dynamite. You know, even if it's someone who maybe you're really excited about meeting or really excited about the potential of getting to know, you know, maybe that person has lots and lots of people in their life they, of the category that you fall into. So, you know, getting back to like, if you're a photographer, maybe that person has lots of photographers in their life. And so they just don't have a need for another photographer in their life. And so, you know, you got to take the approach of, well, it won't always work out. Or maybe, you know, I've had lots of great relationships work out where the first time we connected for whatever reason on my side or their side, it was the timing was not right. Something was going on in one of our lives where we didn't make the connection. And then something happens later, you circle back a month or two later, you email each other once again, or you meet at another event, and then a nice relationship blossoms. So take the long game, like I mentioned earlier, take the long game and realize that sometimes there are going to be little minor setbacks and you, you know, might, the timing might just not be right. Okay. Um, so a lot of our listeners are in college or in grad school. Uh, how can college age guys start networking now? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, I, I know because I get a lot of emails from college age guys after I write articles. So, so I, I hear this a lot and I got a great example. There's a, a guy who's in college who emailed me, um, a couple of months ago, I think it was after reading one of my articles on Art of Manliness, and said, um, I'm interested in developing a relationship with the president of my school. And so I, and they have open office hours. So I was just going to go in and introduce, introduce myself. What should I talk about? And it was kind of funny. It was like, okay. And um, I, I, first of all, I was like, good for you for doing that. I mean, I guarantee you this president's probably sitting in the office hours and very few people take the uh, initiative to come in and introduce themselves. And then the second thing I said is, think about what perspective you can provide that can be of help to that president. And you'd be surprised. There's probably a lot you can do. And so I said, think about, you know, maybe there's some initiative that that president is really passionate about on that campus that they want to get going. Or maybe they, they just want to want some feedback from what the pulse of the students is. They want to know what the word is on the street, so to speak, in the college. They want to know, you know, what it's like, or they're, maybe they're interested in what if we were to, you know, do bands in the plaza at lunch on Fridays, would that go over well? Is it worth the investment? Would that improve morale? Um, you know, something like that. And so I said, go in with an attitude of that and just offer, you know, to, to be a, a liaison to the students or to, to um, inform the president about things that are going on that the president might not know about. 
So this guy ends up going and doing that ends up, and emails me a couple of months later and said it went fabulously. They ended up having this great conversation um, and the president you know, wanted a ton of feedback on these exact things that we talked about. So you might have more perspective than you think. And you can do the same thing out in the real world you, where you can provide perspective to people, you know, basically on, on you know, what your, your view of the world is. The other thing I would offer is, again, introductions, getting back to introductions. No matter how much you think your network isn't worth anything, there probably is someone that you know already, even if you're in college, who you can introduce to someone else. You don't need to start with your dad's friend who's a partner at a big law firm downtown, you know, you can probably start smaller. You can start with a couple of people within your network. Just start the practice of, it turns out that, you know, my friend who goes to this other college, you know, maybe you've got a, maybe you've got a, two, a friend who went to UCLA and another friend who went to UCLA, and it turns out that they don't know each other, and you can introduce them. That's it. You could start by doing that, and then you can build it as a practice throughout your life and just continue doing that. Eventually, you work your way up the scale. Eventually, you find yourself introducing more and more people at higher and higher levels. And I, I mean, I've had amazing results from introducing people. I've had people start businesses together. I've received emails from people. I had an email from a guy a couple of months ago who I'd introduced to someone else. He said, I probably got $10,000 out of that introduction because we did business together. And I, I get that sort of thing. And I am just so glad. And then the second thing I say is, great, next round of drinks is on you. <laughs> yeah. And that that's a really, I mean, just find ways to be, I'm mean, sure even though you're in college, you can probably find ways to be useful for people that you know, you want to work for eventually or within the, you know, university administration. Have you, do you know, uh, Charlie Hohen, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's really good at this too. Yeah. Like he's the big advocate. And this is what he did with his, like when he was in college, he basically like worked for free for these, just these big tech people. Right. And he ended up yeah. landing a job, uh, being like Tim Ferriss's body man, basically. Um, right. and he did really well, like made a lot of money from it, but it all started with just like being useful. He just says like, right. out of email out of the blue here, I want to help you with this. There you right. go. I'll do it right. for free. Yeah. And I mean, oftentimes it's, it's just being aware of what's going on with them. So with Charlie Hone, I think he might've connected with Tim around the time of one of his books launching. But, you know, if you know someone has a book coming out, there's a lot of things you can do. You can help to promote it. You can introduce them to other people who might buy it. Um, I just thought of another example of someone in college who contacted me, probably through another Art of post. This is a guy who was in a band. He was in a band, and he wanted to do more his, his band to do more gigs in the local concert venues around the college town that he lived in. And he said, how can I – what do I have to offer these people who own – these concert venues around town. What can I, what benefit can I provide to them? And I said, well, you are a student at the college. They want to get more students into their venues. So maybe what you could do is you could do a profile feature. You could interview the owner of one of these venues, interview them and write a profile and then publish it in the local newspaper. They'd probably love that. If you go and do that, that vent, you know, that then you're building a relationship with that particular venue owner, and they're probably, you know, next question after be after that's probably going to be, so what's going on with you? And you're like, oh, by the way, I have a van, I have a band, and uh, you know, <laughs> and pretty soon you've got a gig, right? So you know, thinking from their perspective, oftentimes we have more assets at our disposal than we think we do. Okay, uh, what about guys who are in blue collar jobs? Because we often think of networking as sort of like this white, you know, middle manager thing that you do. Um, but, uh, 
how can blue collar guy, guys use networking to improve their career? Yeah, I think it starts with what your goal is. So what you want to do with your career and blue collar can it runs the gamut. It can be a lot of different types of jobs. But if you're self-employed and you want to get more customers, then it's going to be one kind of goal. Or if you're working in an organization, maybe you're a mechanic and you want to work your way up to head mechanic, then that's going to be a different set of goals. Um, I think it starts with the conversations strategy that I talked about. Another thing you can do is create a conversations list of the organizations that you could join that would be helpful to your vocation as well. So let's say you're uh, an apprentice uh, learning to be an electrician or a plumber or something like that. Well, there are probably organizations in your local community where you could build relationships that would be helpful to that career, help you work your way up your la up the ladder and get more income. So you, sh you sh could identify, you could brainstorm a list of 10 different organizations that you could join. It could be like a local chamber of commerce. It could be like a BNI group, Business Network Inter International. It could be like a uh, electrician's union that you could get involved in. And then how can you deepen your involvement with that organization? And I'm talking like what I think a lot of people make the mistake of is they join 20 different groups and then they don't attend or they go as one attendee amongst 100 people or 1,000 people to some event. I don't think that's a great strategy. What I think you should do is actually focus on a handful of organizations and then deepen your involvement with that organization. So maybe you join the board or maybe you organize an event for them uh, or maybe you organize a training or you speak or something like that. So doing those sorts of things, even if you're in a blue collar job, by first identifying what your goals are, whether it's you know adding, getting more clients or customers or whether it's working your way up the ladder, it starts with that and then identifying the people, the events, and the organizations that you can involve yourself with and then starting to do that. And you can also test it over time. So you could take 12 months, say, I'm going to spend 12 months being deepening my involvement in these two to three groups and then see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then you try something else at the end of the next year. Awesome. Um, do you have any tips? Because you've written about this before. But what are your tips for connecting with VIPs? I mean, let's say on your your conversation list, you want to connect with, I don't know, the president of some corporation, some you know high profile journalist, a politician. I mean, what what are your tips for connecting with those types of people? Okay, so one of the things that this has been uh, this is a little controversial sometimes. I have a strategy that I talk about, which is keep it personal, stupid. You've heard of keep it simple, stupid. So this is keep it personal, stupid. So if you have the right opening, the right opportunity, you should look for an opportunity to have a conversation with someone about something uh, having to do with um, their personal life rather than their vocation. Uh, personally, I find it very boring when I meet someone and we immediately launch into talking just about vocation. It's not a great way to get to know someone better. But you have to look for the opportunity. So you have to wait for someone to open the door. Maybe they mention something, you know, maybe you're at an event and you're talking to someone and they mention, oh, you know, I have to leave in a little bit because I'm going to my daughter's volleyball game. And then that's an opening for you to say, oh, really, your daughter plays volleyball. What level? College? High school? Take interest in it and then follow up with it. And maybe you have some connection to volleyball that you can follow up with them as well. Um, and I, you know, I'll give an example like, I asked an example on, on social media a couple of months ago. I asked people, what would you 
say to Oprah, if you met Oprah, and it doesn't need to be Oprah, it could be someone else who's of equal accomplishment within your industry. I just use her as an example because she's famous. But if you were to meet Oprah, what would you say to someone who's of that level, that caliber of success? And the types of questions that people responded were these deep, deep questions like, you know, like, how do I get started in starting my own TV network? And like, how, how do you publish your own magazine? And how do I break into the TV industry? And, you know, honestly, if I was talking to, to Oprah Winfrey, I wouldn't talk about any of those things. I, the, I, the handful of things that I know about Oprah Winfrey, which admittedly are not that much, would be that she likes yellow labs. I've read that somewhere. She has a house in Santa Barbara, which is where I went to college, and a few other things. And I'd probably just end up talking about those little personal things because that's so much – it's so much – you're so much more likely to build a personal bond with them. And I'll just tell one quick story about working at the White House. So one of the the perks, I guess you can call it, when I worked at the White House, I don't know if they still do this, but um, they uh, the president would record the historic radio address in the Oval Office on weekends, on either Saturday or Sunday morning, and they would invite some VIPs down and employees down uh, to if you get it on the list, it wasn't a lot of people uh, down to to listen to him record it, and then they do a very quick photo line where you get a picture with the president. And so I did this around the time I was leaving, and my family came in from out of town, and in order to do it, because when do you get a picture in the Oval Office? And I'd been given a tip beforehand about um, that if you want to get a little extra time with him, bring him a gift. And at that time, he was actually, President Clinton was actually collecting DVDs. He was building up his DVD collection, and he liked old westerns. So we go and get a couple of old westerns. We put a bow on them. We bring them with us. We go down the Oval Office. He he comes in at the last minute, walks in, records the radio, uh, radio address without a beat, without skipping a beat, and then immediately does the photo line. And they're like members of Congress and like Hollywood directors and famous people and stuff. And everyone's going by really quickly and they get up to us and we hand over this gift to him and he immediately looks at it. And then we end up having like a five, 10 minute conversation about old Westerns about like, you know, going to see movies as a kid in Arkansas. My dad actually was a TV uh, film critic on t when I was a kid. So he can talk about movies with anyone. And so we have this, you know, just like a very normal human conversation with the leader of the free world standing in the heart of power in the Oval Office with all these other VIPs behind us waiting in line. And the reason I tell that story is because if you can, if I can have a very personal conversation with the leader of free world in that circumstances, then you can have a very personal conversation about a quote unquote mundane topic with someone who's very successful in your industry, be it a CEO, be it the president of your company, be it a very successful salesperson, whoever it is, find that commonality, find that thing, old Western movies, whatever it is, find that thing that you can talk about and then just have a normal human conversation with them. And then that's the way that you start to build the bonds of a relationship. Awesome. So keep it personal. Yes. Okay. All right. So it's our last question. Uh, it's been a lot of great information here. Uh, but what can listeners start doing today? Like as soon as they get done listening to this podcast, what can they start doing to be a better networker or relationship builder? Excuse me. <laughs> I'm not going to live that down, am I? Yeah. No, well, no, it's, it's a really, it's a really good way to reframe it. I mean, it's nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think most people like building relationships. They don't like networking and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, what I would start with is the conversations list strategy that I talked about, you know, taking 20 minutes to sit down and define the ne the 50 people you'd like to either deepen an existing relationship 
or start a new relationship with, because you haven't met them yet, over the course of the next 12 months, that 20 minutes, and honestly, you don't need to take more than 20 minutes, could take you 15, um, could save you 20 years of wasted effort. And that's not an exaggeration. So often people do not take the time to decide and to define who are the people who I want to surround myself with, who engage and inspire me, who are the people who I want to be my ideal circle, my ideal network of friends and confidants and people who I can just pick up the phone and talk to a couple of years from now. Who are those people? Define who those people are and then start taking steps over the course of the next few months to start to build those relationships. If it's someone that you know already, then just be sure to remain in touch with them every once in a while. Get to get together with them for lunch or a drink or coffee or go for a walk or go for a hike or play a pickup basketball game together or whatever. Do whatever it takes to in order to deepen that relationship. Um, I think that's the best thing that you can do to be intentional about building the network that you'd like to have in the future. Awesome. Well, John Corcoran, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brett. Our guest today was John Corcoran. He is the owner of smartbusinessrevolution.com. Uh, go check it out. It's a great blog with lots of great, useful information about how to be an effective networker. He also has a great podcast where he talks about how to be a networker, has guests who are experts in that field. Uh, if you go there, sign up for his free email newsletter. You'll get a free ebook called Double Your Income by Building Relationships with Influencers. Uh, with just jam-packed with information on how to connect with VIPs and influencers who can help you progress in your career. So great ebook, smartbusinessrevolution.com. Go check it out. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, you're getting something out of it. I'd really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is you use to listen to the podcast. Give us a rating. I don't care what it is. Just the more ratings, the better. And it'll get the word out about the show. And also, just to let you know, we have started transcribing our podcasts. So if you want to go back and you're more of a reader, you can go read through all of our past episodes. Just go to artofmanliness.com slash category slash podcast. Um, you'll have the archives of all of our podcasts and you'll be able to access the transcripts of all those shows. So that's something else to check out. Until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.